The following program may contain content that your kids would love to hear, but you may not want them to. been walking next to you the entire time. <laughs> Frank! Frank! Finally, he went back, and I walked by the table, and I said, how are you, Don? Nice to see you. He said, can't you see I'm eating, Frank? What are you doing? <laughs> Frank, what the hell are you doing? Hello, hello, hello. I'm Frank, remember? The results say that you, Frank, are absolutely not my father, but my father is a close relative, most likely one of your brothers. Dad has brothers? Hey, you know, I think I met the one that sells smoked sausage and razor blades out of the trunk of his car. Yeah. 
are we talking about here? We're talking about the barter broadcasting, okay? Sir, mister, monsieur, whatever you want to call me before you say Frank, call me. I'm Frank. Don't scream down the hall, will you? broadcasting because I am the bard of the interweb. I'm a difficult historian, the godfather of internet radio, the third man, and the vegetable man. How does one, how does one live up to such titles in his life? Huh? And the name is Frank Catolo, and this is Catolo Chronicles. There's a slew of things for us on this particular episode of the first internet live talk show. Heck, it's just the first live, it's the first talk show ever on the internet. So let's go. Because we'll probably be the last, too. to Icecap from Hamlet the City and from Othello and into every bordello. Let me just say two words. They are a, a name of someone, and then we'll get into a little talking, and then I'll tell you a little bit more about other stuff, because that's what I do here, is that kind of stuff. Randy Newman. So let me tell you right now. <laughs> My name is Frank Catolo, man whose name adjoins the title of the show. What you're listening to is the main theme and uh, orchestral backing that was of a movie called The Mark of Zorro. Now, it's not the one uh, with the Antonio Banderas uh, and then that new one by comparison. It's not the older one. I have to let that theme go. It's religious. I should put lyrics to this, huh? So the deal is, I say Randy Newman. Why did I say Randy Newman? This has come up, something came up, and uh, very, ah, sorry, there's the very alarm. This came up relatively late in my uh, preparing for the show, which I don't, of course. I'm always prepared. I've never practiced, but I'm always prepared. And uh, it dawned upon me, because I was thinking about 
something I'm not going to tell you what I was thinking about, but I am going to tell you that this is, I said, why did I say Randy Newman? This theme from the Mark of Zorro, uh, written by Randy Newman's uncle, who worked for 20th Century Fox as a uh, composer. Uh, yes, music ran in his family. And those of you who have seen uh, the name Alfred Newman, who was the brother of Lionel Newman, these were two uncles of uh, Randy Newman. And uh, it dawned upon me that there's this strange connection with my sense of identity and the identity stamped on the musician and now Oscar-winning Randy Newman. I don't know if Alfred or Lionel won Oscars, but uh, their nephew, eventually, after being nominated 28 times, but that's just a symbol of Randy Newman, musician. Randy Newman, more than a singer, musician. He scored movies himself. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie The Natural with Robert Redford, that's his, uh, one of his nominated scores, great score. And here and there, there were others, and of course, all the toy stories that he made those, uh, you know, Disney-like songs for the Disney-like movies and the first pixel uh, animated full-length thing, you know. But here's my deal, and I, I thought to myself, uh, because that's how I think, I don't know about you, and you know, I think aloud a lot. I said, well, this, this song, this particular music uh, connected to me because when I was a kid, I saw this movie and I was just blown away. And, and my favorite actor of all time from that whole era is Tyrone Power, who played Don Diego Vega, who becomes Zorro, the fox, in this movie. And it's the typical story that most of you probably know. But here's, uh, and then, you know, when I was in Hollywood, Oddly enough, uh, some people would say, you look like Tyrone Power. And I thought, wow, I, that to me was such a great compliment. Because I liked the guy, not because I thought he was handsome. I knew I was handsome. I knew he was handsome. It didn't matter. I, I would never be as handsome as him. I would never act like him. And his uncle, his uncle, his or uh, Randy Newman's uncle, wrote this. And I sang this song in my head. This melody, as a kid, you know, playing all sorts of adventurous games, making swords out of uh, um, the side, the slats of uh, orange crates and everything, and Zorro getting, you know, I did all that stuff. That was a big thing. That was my superhero at the time, uh, and and my uh, penchant for uh, Spanish and uh, Californian Spanish. Uh, um, you know, architecture and design and stuff. Everything came together in, in a certain way. But I thought to myself, hey, you know, Randy Newman inherited this, uh, this, this, this uh, talent for music, this identity that was and still is his, and that's all he ever did. He never, uh, he wasn't a baseball player. Like, I didn't do anything else but play that piano. Still plays the piano. Still writes songs for movies for this, for that, and whatever. And, uh, uh, and that's who he is. And that's who he'll be remembered as being forever. As uh, Randy Newman, connected to Alfred Newman, who wrote this, who influenced me in many ways as a child. And me, who's not. I didn't have an uncle. 
I did anything like this. I couldn't inherit anything except plumbing, and I, right? Nothing at all. Could I do it? I just wanted to get on to my horse. And horses too were involved. They just ride, save people. They didn't know who I was. Just, it's, it's, it's not cosplay. It's well before that. It's always this music. Always. Randy Newman's uncle. That's it. And... I just gotta hit the end. And oh my god. I didn't have... that but uh the uh, female in that movie was linda darnell uh who i often thought uh you know as a young boy may have been one of the first well my she was one of the first women to uh, arouse me before i was able to be aroused at least on the screen and uh i i, I uh, oh i don't need that on do i no i just need this and uh and i often wondered when I met a girl I liked or, uh, you know, one who was attracted to me and I was attracted to her, I often wondered, wow, you, uh, I wonder if it's the Linda Darnell in you. Uh, because, uh, as I know, I spent a lot of time watching movies and doing things uh, on te television. And, of course, I'm a television baby, and that was black and white. I think it was black, yes, it was black and white. I think, I, I guess it was... I don't know. I don't, I've never seen a color print of it. If it is color, I'm sure Turner colorized it or something. But it dawned on me as I was uh, uh, coming into the show to talk about strange people, that all the strange people we know. And I am one of them, and that's why I chose this particular uh, topic and why I chose to look back at uh, uh, 2007, which we're going to do later on, and uh, when I talked with a particularly, extremely strange person uh, in, uh, in the likes of uh, Shannon Kane. 2007, see? And, uh, but mainly, I think of uh, what Randy Newman inherited, because in his family there was this music, and it was all top-of-the-line professional movies. And, of course, what else was he going to do? What would he have done, you know? And, and I was like, well, I didn't have anybody in my family uh, who could influence me. To, well, that's what Frank became, you know. Look, of course, look what ran in his family. Plumbing and a sketchy, a, a sketchy, that's a good word, isn't it? A sketchy bloodline <laughs> that is still being uncovered in in in, uh, in any kind of detail and is now turning into some and that is the more I find out uh, is turning into uh, uh, not legend at all but um, history uh, and uh, so um, you know so 
my, where, how I would, what would I, what would inspire me to do anything? Well, of course, I, I had uh, a career in music and, and playing music and writing music and doing stuff. Um, certainly not to the extent of Randy Newman, but of course, I, I picked it up off the street because I didn't have, I didn't have it in my veins, didn't have it in my blood. What was in my veins? What was in my blood? I moved along and I wanted to do everything. And the, and the reason when I was a kid that so uh, attracted me because I wanted to be. Uh, to find something uh, to do that I uh, that was mine, and uh, you know, and I, I just had to, I had to, you know, find something, just try things. And I don't think Randy Newman had to try anything. I don't know. Uh, I should ask Van Dyke Parks, but uh, he's he's impossible to get hold of any longer. The point is, he would, but he know anyway. I should call Randy Newman. I should get somebody to call. No, we're not going to do that. I just wanted to make that point because we're talking about identity and being weird. So what I did was I picked up things along the way. And, uh, you know, people talk to me and say, uh, say, so you still do that uh, thing on the Internet? Yeah, I still do that thing on the Internet. Obviously, you don't know because you don't listen. And it's all right. Fine. You know, so that's it. You were doing radio and I did radio. And people can associate me with uh, radio and uh, some various other things. But I did a lot of this stuff to find. And I still don't know. I still don't know who exactly I might be in terms of I'm a writer, and I love writing most of all, but that's still with me. That score, that music, that I kid my, I, I kid my son, my oldest son, who's going to turn 30. I'm choking. I'm choking. No. Uh, and uh, I, I kid him. I, I say, you know, I, I think sometimes I'm stuck at seven. The age seven, something about the age seven that uh, uh, puts me on this trail, that puts me in, and whoever I was at seven was uh, was there. I, I can pick up that person. And then I think of uh, being a, uh, like uh, Billy Pilgrim, uh, in a sense, not, uh, not historically, Billy Pilgrim from uh, uh, Breakfast of Champions. And that is that my personality, I think this might have been what Vonnegut was getting at or if it wasn't, it certainly is built into the <laughs> idea of the story. And that is that we're unstuck in time. Um, certain people, uh, not Randy Newman, okay? <laughs> not from the Newman family. I mean, I don't know Randy, and uh, I never met him. And I wonder, uh, did, uh, I wonder if he went through something. Uh, in terms of like, I gotta do this. I gotta, I gotta make it as a writer, as a on the piano, and because you know, not as a singer, because he was a singer, but he could sing his stuff and under, you know. I wonder if he had that crisis, but it was based on something. It wasn't like me walking around going, well, I could do a little of this. I like doing a little of that, and I do a little of this, and I do a little of that, and then this, and then you know, you never hit the pinnacle. I never did. So here I am after 20-something years doing Cotolo Chronicles, um, and, which was the first and is, is, not was, it is the first internet uh, talk show on internet radio, which didn't even exist while I was going through everything else. Even when I was a real radio, real radio, I mean uh, when I was on uh, uh, brick-and-mortar radio, did I... Did I just do radio? So I'm all over the place, and I'm stuck in seven. Sometimes I'm ten. Sometimes I'm twenty. And I, I, I and that's that's me. I don't know if that's a lot of people. I think that's me, and it makes me strange. And so I wanted to talk about people who are um, idiosyncratic today. I just did not see 
this opening related to me. I was just going to talk about uh, strange people. You know strange people. Everybody knows strange Even I know strange people. Strange in the sense that they are not common people. And I'm not saying there's any wrong with common people. If anything, they're straightforward and they're grounded. I am not grounded. I'm stuck at seven. And once in a while, I jump ahead to 14 and then to 18 and then back and then 30. Now I'm going, I'm old enough. I have, an, I have a joke that I've used many times in various places where I tell jokes. There's another thing. So he's, oh, he's a funny guy. You know, he wrote jokes and he's a humorist. Yeah. And that is that uh, uh, every, since I was, uh, let's say, 60 or, or 65, let's say 65. Since I became 65, I used to say, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing because of this features, these features I have in myself about being many ages and jumping around uh, um, because, I, because I'm not grounded. And I say, I'm old enough. When I was 65, I said, now I'm old, I'm old enough to be my father. That was, <laughs> and, and, and it was profound. And it's still profound to me. And I still say it. And uh, I don't go through the whole thing, but it's what I mean. And uh, people who are strange usually have uh, rocky roads that they travel upon as they uh, grow. <laughs> I don't want to say the word old. I hate the word old. And then seven, you know why? Because at uh, 17, I hated the world. At 18, I hated the word old. Right? And then, uh, and then through all the stuff. And I don't, I, I don't make this, uh, the topics about this show me. But uh, it, it does now have relevance in terms of the 20 years that I put under this show. And I'm going to play you uh, when I was uh, whatever I was. What was I in 2007? I, I was uh, 57. Maybe I was 57. Yes, I was 57 in the um, interview you're going to hear. And uh, what? So I'm going to be 57 then. I don't even. Uh, and once in a while, I could be that person usually when I'm on the air, but even when I'm not on the air. And as always, when I do talk about anything that happens to be uh, me, my experience, or my psyche explanation, my analysis, I think you should think about yourself. Because I, maybe a lot more people than I think, and I know, well, I'm not maybe, I, it's true, it's true, because I, I've learned this from, ow, <laughs> oh, sorry, I just hurt my hand again. Uh, in, in the psychoanalysis, a lot of people learn this. They learn that the certain things they do and say uh, are uh, stuck in time. And that uh, when they get in, let's say, uh, you know, in a relationship, any kind of relationship, uh, they, they could turn, they could suddenly be 13. And, uh, and then they're suddenly 21. Uh, well, if they're, if they're under 21. <laughs> and, and that the things we... Then we get Freudian and, and all that stuff starts. But in the consciousness, after subconsciousness, I see and hear things that... Uh, things that uh, just... Uh, well, they, they keep me going. And they keep me going. My name is Frank Cattolo. The man's name adorns the title of the show. And uh, I'm... Oh, there's not, there's just not a moment uh, in my life when, uh, <laughs> when, when this doesn't move me, and there it comes again. Uh, yes, Tyrone Power. 
Linda Darnell. If you get a chance to see this, uh, forget about the Antonio Banderas. I'm going to see that, see that, but you must see this. 19, what, 46, 7? I don't know, maybe after the war. The war. So anyway, we're going to keep... Let me tell you a little bit about what's going to happen. Thank you. We got uh, next week of the 10th. We're scheduled. Uh, Tom Savino's coming back to the show. It's been a while, and I'm always excited when Tom comes back because we have a, a certain chemistry. When Tom's here, I turn what? What do I turn? 23, 24, 25? <laughs> and my, and my uh, uh, wow. And the, um, so we get, you know, we know each other very well, and we'll be talking about something or other. Uh, the things that come up are just wonderful. Wonderful. One of my favorite words, which is why I say we're listening to wonderful radio. I uh, recently heard from Charles Dennis. I kept telling you people over and over again, we're going to get Charles Dennis back. And he's been so busy doing about six things at once. Excuse me, I'm have my coffee right now. Can I take a sip of this? Thank you. He's going to be coming back. He has a, a book out, and uh, we're going to get it. I, I ordered it yesterday from his press agent. I said, you know, all the perks. You know, I get more perks than most people because I have all these inside and out things. That, uh, But it's good. You get perks, you get perks. Uh, but I buy things, too. Don't worry about it. You should, you're not worried about it. You don't even care about it. I, uh, Charles Dennis are going to be coming back. Now, I think next week, next well, the, if, if this is aired live, of course, if I slate this, it is the 3rd of November, uh, 2022. And the 8th, which uh, the 8th is uh, wait, 3rd, 4th, 3rd, Tuesday, I think it's Tuesday. I will be on the Jiggy Jaguar show on a debate. I'm not uh, usually uh, political outwardly political, although I have, yeah, I know, it's one of my, uh, okay, I know, it, see, it's something else I got into a while, when I was, what was I, 24, you know, I got unstuck in time, I go back to 24, and uh, maybe Tom and I can talk about that, not politics, uh, politics, I mean, you know, helping people, assisting people to become various representatives, politics, um, what was I going to say? Oh, I'm going to uh, debate, and I didn't bring his name down, so I don't have it, but we'll talk about it. And I'll tell you about it. Oh, I won't tell you about it. Yes, I will. I'll be on controllerchronicles.blogspot.com. When I know I'm going to be on the Jiggy Jaguar show and debate a, an election denier, yes, who's also a broadcaster, it'll be fun. And, 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 it, uh, and it's good we're not in the same room because when your aggressions come out, this is, these are strange times for elections. <laughs> and I know whoever thought they'd say that. I didn't, but I did. I just said it. Strange times for elections. And uh, this fellow, I feel bad talking about this and not telling you who he might be. I'll, I'll put it on the website, and on the blog, and you'll see it or whatever. That'll be Tuesday. I believe it'll be Tuesday after four or five, you know, uh, um, uh, Eastern time, somewhere around then. But I'll put it up. Jiggy will have it up. It'll be on Twitter and all sorts of places. You can follow me on Twitter, at Frank Cotolo. Very simple. At, sorry, simple. At Frank Cotolo. And 
we'll do that. I'll do that. That should be fun because it, these are the times that try men's souls. <laughs> and I turn into Zorro because, like, I want him. What do I do? I, do? I want to save. I, all right. I wanna, I, and California, I lived in California. I always had a thing for California. It all comes from uh, Randy Newman's uncle. Uh, and it's wild, isn't it? When I was seven, it wasn't the music. I know I came back to the subject. It wasn't the music that the music didn't say Frank do music because it, it didn't matter. That's not what happened. It was the adventure, the romance, the thing that eventually I uh, I learned to use in uh, in writing uh, of anything I wrote, and and certainly uh, still there. More about that. You should look into your past, everyone, and find out what's going on. Okay, this person, me, and a debate, along with the Jigs, Jiggy Jaguar, will he'll be the moderator. <laughs> That's going to be good. Uh, or not. Maybe it won't be. I say that this is going to be good. I don't want to put any uh, predicate on it. I want you to judge for yourself as you should. But November 10th, so after that, November 10th will be uh, Tom Savino here. And then Charles Dennis was still waiting. Maybe he'll be the week after that. And uh, that'll be the end of that thing. Now, uh, is that all I have on the, uh, on the, on the agenda here? I want to uh, remind you to go uh, all of my books at lulu.com, all on sale digitally, the digital sales. And for all three chat books, don't expect like, you know, a Stephen King-sized book when these three <laughs> books, but still, right? Uh, I'm talking about going there. All three of them you could order, and it'll cost you $3.75. Check what postage is. I have no idea. Three chapbooks by me, the only three chapbook, complete chapbooks that are still available, still in print, are a um, <laughs> Moon Over Gorgon, okay, B, the Return of Turk Bahrain, and C, Skull and Roses. First one, stories, international stories of uh, romance. <laughs> and Gorgon, the whole trip of that. Yeah, look, you'll figure it out. Just enjoy them. They're short stories of, uh, uh, of adventures. They're a little bit like Molotov memoirs in a sense, but there are, no, that's another book altogether. We're not telling that in any particular time right now, although we always want you to go and buy it. We're talking about these three digital copies. The Return of Terperain uh, has uh, been, um, you know, like a lot of things I've done, it's been, uh, what's the word, tossed around. It's been uh, uh, lobbed into the possibility of being a, a series of some sort, but uh, that never happened. But the books are still there, and that's a great thing because they'll always be there. So it's great about books. You don't have to wait until they're movies or anything, right? The um, uh, that's a it's a it's a it's humor. It's humor. It's, it's humor. Okay. And the third one is a series of essays that are uh, incorrigible, and you uh, do get a, a a tiff out of that. Not a tiff is one I was thinking was the word that came to me, but not the one I meant. See the strangeness of it all. Lulu.com. L-U-L-U dot Come, go there, buy these things. You get them, and you put them on your phone or your pad or your pod or anything else you have, and you read them, and you laugh because they're funny. If you don't think they're funny, fine. Okay? 
All right. There are other books, there are other things, but those are ads for another time. $3.75. Hey, you tell me where you could get three, how many words it come to? Uh, I don't know, how many words? How many stories for three seventy-five in this day and age? When you know, and you know what? This didn't go up. This didn't fall into the global inflation sea ocean. What else? I'm also going to do uh, uh, eventually do a song, um, um, a couple of songs. I have putting together um, some of my songs. I, if I get the karaoke and put them on, I'm, I maybe do a show. Where I've been, uh, that's another thing I do, right? I, I've written lyrics and them, but I, that's fun. I just take things that people know, stories that people know. I, I know I'm cleaning up my desk while we talk. What am I going to go to? Let me tell you, uh, when you talk about weird people and fun, uh, fun things and strange people, I met, and publishing and stuff like that, that's where I met Shannon Kane. Shannon Kane is a terrific author still. Uh, a strange actress, a musician of, a musician of, a musician f- uh, using, what was that, musician, a musician, but uh, playing instruments that uh, no one uh, even knows exist anymore. And I don't mean like a peep our beauty thing where you play, I know you're going to have to see, uh, where you're going to have to, you know, use a broom and, or, or some other, that some, make an instrument into something, but old instruments. And, and uh, she's a teacher. I believe she's still a teacher. I've not talked to her in a while. And if you know Heather Drain, who's been on this show any number of times, and who, of course, if you go to, uh, uh-oh, is it Heather Drain? Is it Drain? I don't know. I, I wouldn't go to Heather Drain. You, it, Google Heather Drain, and you get your free newsletter about uh, where to find her uh, articles and stuff. But Heather, I, I, I met uh, uh, Shannon through Heather, and we had uh, idiosyncratic uh, uh, similar. Uh, <laughs> Where do you get those sounds like that? Sounds like you know he's in the hospital bed, but making the uh, making these sounds uh, idiosyncratic. I'm uh, familiar. And I'm looking for the thing we share. Idiosyncratic elements lost the same. I'm I'm trying I'm trying for the word. And the boys in my subconscious are not rushing to the uh, saloon doors any quicker than they ever did. We shared some pop culture oddities, Shannon and I, uh, and some uh, astounding telephone calls, which I, it's too bad we don't have them on, uh, on tape. But we do have this conversation from 2007 talking about these things Way ahead of her time, too, because these days and in the past decade, it certainly has been uh, an adult-like thing, cosplay, uh, the uh, the up-and-coming, uh, the not up-and-coming, not the phrase, the uh, popularity of, of, of comics turned into different art forms um, and, and, of course, into movies. Uh, even though there were like, you know, well, you know, there were Superman movies in the past, but boy, yeah, things have changed and there's all these characters and there's uh, Marvel uh, Marvel comics and and uh, DC comics. And these, of course, too, I've talked about these 
on my show when I was into comic books and trying to draw and make comics. There was a time when it was like, oh, I, could, I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do that. Somewhere it'll stick. It never stuck. It's just a little piece of each stuck and it turned into a kaleidoscope of nonsense. And that's me, Frank Cotolo, the mayor's name of George the title show, part of broadcasting in the kaleidoscope. Let's look at this. And then the kaleidoscope of crap. How about that? With the capital K. Kaleidoscope of crap that has become, you know, I better write that down because that's the things that I, I don't want to miss a lot of this. That's why I never know where I'm going to use it somewhere else. What do I do with it? Where do I have somewhere to write? Kaleidoscope. I dare you to spell kaleidoscope. K-A-L, kaleido, I'm already of kaleidoscope. At least I'll know if it's phonetic. Kaleidoscope of crap. There you go. Catolo with a K. See how it works out, Catolo. And his kaleidoscope of crap. Um, but uh, fascinating woman. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I don't know what else to say. I'll let her talk about it uh, in, in a matter of uh, seconds because I have to find it, see, at, out. And, uh, I have to find it in my, I think I have it written down here somewhere. Where am I? At 23 minutes and nine seconds. Oh, look at that. Oh, my God. Did I? Oh, that is outrageous. You know how, and you do know, people who know, people, <laughs> what is, what is IBO? What is it? ABO. People who know, in the know, know OBO. What is that? What is that company? No. ABO. LBO. Elbow. When I play a piece from a classical Cotolo chronicle show, I spend a lot of time on the air going, I got to go to this exact part of the show to pick up uh, the portion that I'm going to play. And this is weird. Weirdness within weirdness within weirdness. I hit it within a second Second. What is that? T. That's Brooklyn. Second. You're first. I'm second. Second with a T. That's Brooklyn. I just moved the cursor and hit it. Because it says right here on my thing, goes, go to tw Shannon. It says, Shannon Kane on this show, 8 1607. That's the 16th of August, 2007. And it says 2309. That's the exact point. Now, when I click this at 2308, bingo, it's going to go right into it. So this is what you're going to hear. Shannon Kane and I from Cotolo Chronicles in 2007. Now, remember, in 2007, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to promote. I, I have a problem promoting myself. But um, I think a lot of you know, uh, but most of you don't care. That is my opinion. Still, this is wonderful radio. My name is Frank Atolo, the man's name, but joins the title of the show, the man who tries to sell you books that he has uh, written and uh, go see things that he has done and whatever. I have a cameo. Now, nah, forget it. Don't, I'm not even going to do that. I'm going to let people go to where they're going. If you're going to do anything, find the Mark of Zorro, 1946 or something, you know, Tyrone Power. And music by Alfred Newman. That's not Alfred Newman. See, these things are connected. Uh, Alfred E. Newman from Mad Magazine. This is Alfred Newman, who did many scores 
and is the uncle of Randy Newman and everything I said about the difference between I and Randy Newman. In the meantime, you're going to be hearing this. It's going to go on for a while, and then you'll be able to know that it's archived. All of this is archived. So you can't, it doesn't, we're not archived that far back. So you can't go to uh, Juice Talk and find a show we did in 2007. Not going to be there. But this will be there within this show soon. And there's that. Uh, and was I here before? I was going to talk about Jerry Lee, but uh, that was last week. I don't even know. I, I've lost track. It's right now. And it'll always be now whenever you're listening to this. Uh, and uh, it's on any number of places. If you don't go to Juice Talk, you can listen to it on the uh, another broadcast. But right now we're going to go to 2007. Me and uh, calling and getting Shannon Kane onto the show and... Take a listen. I know you're going to want to try to find out how to get in touch with her. And I don't know. <laughs> you're going to call just right to Heather Kane. Heather, Heather Kane. It's Shannon Kane. It's Heather. Now, what was, what's her name? Heather Wee. Oh, my God. Drain. It rhymes. Here we go. A classic Catolo interview. Michael, the right thing. Now, I'm going to tell you about Shannon Kane before Shannon Kane uh, comes on before we call her. The only problem we may have here is that Shannon Kane lives in Arkansas. And I want to tell you something about Arkansas, if you don't know it. Aside from the fact that it is the home of Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, who, uh, who was the home of Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, uh, who, are, who are now uh, growing up, uh, gr uh, whatever they're doing, I don't know what they're doing, you know, it's political junk. Anyway, the thing is that Arkansas still is very, in certain places, very backward, okay? I'm going to be calling uh, on the Tamayaki Yaki Tama system here. But we might have a problem. We're hoping we're not going to have a problem. But it can happen because Arkansas is not known for great uh, technical prowess. And that goes for <laughs> its great technical prowess. Does that have to do with phones? What I'm saying to you is that there might be a phone problem. Uh, I've had uh, phone problems trying to call uh, um, Shannon on various occasions about various things. Shannon and I go way back in one respect. She's an author and she's a poet. And back in the old days of underground, there's no more underground, but back in the days of the underground literature movement, Shannon Kane uh, was a uh, just a renegade poet, a wonderful renegade poet. I hope she's going to read a poem or two for us tonight. She goes, she knows, do you know about poetry slams? This has been all the rage over the past couple of years, places where people uh, go and read poetry, and they read it loud and sometimes with music. It's kind of like, like rap, but these are poets. And I don't mean they just sit, you know, I sat upon a, a windmill, I sat upon a, uh, I sat upon a, a tree, a, the tree God never made a tree or whatever. I'm talking about poets. They stand there and they just wax, they wax they, uh, the, the, the language. Okay, forget about them. Point is that uh, Shannon is also a filmmaker. She makes some some very uh, very strange and wonderful uh, artistic uh, films. I know her from way back, in the days when the production company of this program uh, was uh, was putting out a magazine called uh, Fat Tuesday, which is the same name as the production company of this uh, program and many other things that I do. Fat Tuesday. Shannon had a magazine 
and she wrote for other magazines. We all did that. We wrote for one another's magazines, and then we uh, we helped each other publish each other's magazine. We shared list, uh, listeners. Listen to me, listeners. We shared readers and writers and arithmeticers. That's what we did. Shannon does that. Shannon is also also a teacher at the University of Arkansas. She teaches. She's also a television personality. She's on cable down there in Arkansas. And does talk shows, interviews. She's a writer and does rights interviews. She writes fiction. She writes poetry. She has. She plays uh, music. She's. Uh, she. She plays instruments. And that, from thence comes this marvelous thing that I did not know about. And I know a lot about American history. Believe me, because my family goes all the way back to the days when stilettos helped uh, slice British throats open back in the days of the Revolution. Uh, something called sacred harp singing. Sacred harp singing. And people don't understand what that means because they don't even know it. Back in the 17, 1800s, and uh, there, were, there was this thing called sacred harp singing. Hopefully, you're going to hear some of it. She's going to pump some through her speakers, and we'll hear some of it, and we'll learn a little bit about it because it's a purely American antique form of music. And there aren't many of those. Remember the colonial days uh, when you see on uh, movies and you always see the people sitting with the wigs? And that's all English-based. English, I mean Great Britain-based, where they have the, uh, uh, the harpsichord and they're playing around. But there's a lot of American music that came out of that. Sacred harp singing has nothing to do with harps. Harp itself, I believe, has to do with the, your, the uh, chords, the singing chords. Singing chords? Your vocal chords. <laughs> singing chords. Well, your vocal chords are your singing chords. We'll learn more about that. Shannon knows about that. She does. She does sacred harp singing. So you're going to learn a lot. This is why I want you to have your Catolo Chronicles. I want you to have your uh, your notebook. Because there's a lot of things that you may have to write down in reference. That's why you have your notebook. It's a Mead notebook. If you want the official one, Mead does not pay me for this. It's the Mead notebook. And it's, and it's wide-ruled, not college-ruled. You know the notebook. I'm holding one right in my hand right now. But you can't see it. Maybe you do. I have a typical one, 100 sheets, 200 pages, 9 and 3 quarters by 7 and a half inches, 24 by 7, uh, I, well, that's centimeters. Wide ruled, 09910, the Mead Corporation of Dayton, Ohio. Get this, your Cotolo Chronicles of Fil- I use this for everything. I use it for my ledgers, my accounts, my, my uh, everything, my business. And, and my business is my business, and your business is your business. You can use it for that. You can even use it as a diary if you'd like to write every day. You, but, you know, when you write just random notes, and you should, because you should always be writing little things about stuff you want to look up on the Internet. Don't do it while you're listening to the program. Write down things. As Dr. Fabianic once said, quick, write it down. Hey, there's another thing we're going to be doing. Speaking of Dr. Fabianic, Tom Savino is going to be on this show uh, in a couple of weeks. I know I'm going to work that out too. Tom Savino knows me better than I know me in a certain way. And he is, was at one time a partner of mine in broadcasting. So that goes way, way back. And he's going to be on this program. And, uh, I wanted to mention that while I had a chance. Now let's try to call Arkansas and let's start talking about this stuff that Tessie the cow wants to hear about. He's so dying to hear about. In order to do that, in order to do that, I get her number. There is our number. I have it right here. And we're going to hope that this rings. Now, if this rings a busy signal, it's fake. That's, this is Arkansas, all right? I'm going to say something about the Arkansas telephone system. If this, it's true. If this was a busy signal, it's fake. And then we have to wait and call back in a little bit. If not, 
Shannon will be here right on the money, and we will talk. So let's try it right now because it's almost 8.30 p.m. in in uh, whatever part of Arkansas she's in. And I'm trying to do this now again by... Wouldn't it be funny if I called the wrong person in Arkansas? <laughs> that would be... I don't know if you even get them, right? Okay. Okay, we're going to do it right now. It's ringing. If it's ringing, then the phone si- the phone uh, system in Arkansas is working. Let's hope it is. Hi, Frank. Hi, Shannon. Hey, how's it going? It is going great now, and then, you know what's really great? The phone system in Arkansas is working. It's working. Isn't that fantastic? It's, oh, you're already... Hey, what are you playing? Um, can you guess? Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> wow, that was that was not. I have a million of them. That was not Sacred Harp singing. That was not Sacred Harp. But that was that was a that was MIDI, wasn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> God, that that cheesy that cheesy MIDI, and everybody knows what that was. That was a theme to Star Trek. Absolutely, Star Trek: The Original Series, and. I have. Um, uh, you have tons of that stuff. We're going to get into that. Hold on to that because we, we're going to. You got tons of little uh, pieces because one of the things you do is uh, accumulate, if not the word is collect, a lot of this little junky stuff, don't you? Uh, yeah, I kind of have a uh, thing for horrifying music, <laughs> um, and I, um, of course, I also like wonderful things like Sacred Harp singing, but. Uh, but yeah, I have a few atrocious mini files and theme songs to cartoons a lot of people have forgotten about. And uh, I'm kind of into uh, surf and psychedelia and lots of old 78 RPM records. I've been telling everybody how eclectic you are, and I think that's a that's an overused word. But boy, you really do define. You're the definition of eclectic, as far as I'm. I thought I thought I had my hands in a lot of things. But you're just absolutely incredible for as long as I've known you. And I was talking about how we know each other through uh, a time when there really was uh, an underground. Mm-hmm. Remember? And, and um, although you're still involved in a lot of strange things, before we get involved, before we start talking about Sacred Heart, because I promise we just say something, mm-hmm. um, that, what, the underground is gone now, isn't it? Well, I don't know if I would say that it's truly gone. The particular time and place we were in, the, the zine underground, I think a lot of that has faded. Some of it has gone online. And when I look for weirdness, underground culture, avant-garde culture, um, the place to turn anymore is online. I think a lot of the things that were going when we were doing this gig, mail art, um, that sort of thing, a lot of that, uh, it's still out there, but a lot of it has gone by the wayside. But, you know, if something is online, isn't it automatically... I mean, how could you call this underground anymore? What's happening online? You know what I mean? I don't know. um, I think it's still underground in terms of ideas. You can certainly have ideas that are um, not in sync with mainstream America. And the fact that you put them online doesn't make it any less bizarre. (laughs) Well, that's true. It's just a larger (laughs) audience. It's self-publishing comes supernova. And I, I think that there's still definitely a lot of things. Um, later on, um, 
and you and I have talked about this before, but later on I'll talk about my career as a kook hunter. Yes, <laughs> Finding yes. Um, <laughs> just bizarre things. A kook hunter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a hard job to get. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> well, I find that, um, you know, and part of being a kook hunter, uh, when I was young, I was fascinated by mail order anything and I started writing all these people um, not just it, not just free samples not uh, a lot of it was religions and uh, certain ideas that would now be considered crackpot send away for a free brochure and I was always quite happy to do that and my mailbox started being flooded by every oddball in the world it seemed like and a lot of those people that were sending me stuff then, in the 60s and 70s and whatnot, they're still out there. They're just online. So and you're telling me that all the junk mail, I, mean, I used to like junk mail too. I, I used to, I used to, uh, I sent away for those, you know, 30,000 soldiers for, for oh, yeah. 99 cents on the back. Remember that <laughs> yeah. um, And I used to love to get mail. And I still, and you know what? I think that consciousness has, uh, uh, is, it's the same consciousness I have for email. I mean, I won't open. I won't open every link, but yeah. but I get all this junk or this spam. I don't really believe in spam, uh, right? Because spam is junk mail. And, and right, you, and, and you can get marvelous found poetry out of spam. Yes, you can get wonderful stuff, right? Just, and uh, you can open. Of course, you know you have to be careful when opening spam. Obviously, uh, trojans and bots and worms, you know, whatnot is that. Uh, but through spam, I have pieced together some interesting Dadaist poetry. Are you going to read some poetry for us tonight? Oh, actually, I completely forgot about it. Okay, right. let's, let's go <laughs> back to the beginning. Let's go now, back to the beginning. Remind me about that later. I will. I will have to take a few steps away from the phone well, to grab a, a, a book of poetry. See, I, I might be able to do that. I know you, and you could probably make up better poetry than some people can write. <laughs> She's taken it off the top of her head. She's amazing. But anyway, let's go to this thing that I want to introduce everybody to, even if we don't get, we don't have to get heavily into this. But uh -huh. sacred harp singing is something you do, and it is, it is a official American antique piece of music, isn't it? It's, a, it's um, certainly an early American musical genre. And what happened was sacred harp, uh, not by that name, but sacred harp music came to America from England. And after it had faded from the public eye in the U.S., which was uh, sometime after the Civil War, it was still unbeknownst to a lot of mainstream America being actively preserved in the rural southern U.S. Uh -huh. And it's called sacred harp because the sacred harp was the title of one of the old tune books. And, oh, I, yeah. thought, I thought that it was harp was... I thought that was your vocal cords. It is, and I was uh, going to explain that the okay. term sacred harp itself is a poetic one, and it does refer to the human voice. Oh, okay. You can say the sacred harp or the harp of a thousand strings. Uh, no instruments of any kind are used in this genre of music. It's total a cappella singing. No, they say, okay, everybody, now listen to what you just said, because what you'd, uh, and you have a sample of it, right? I have a sample, and so, I'll pull that out in just a second. What um, she's saying is that this sacred harp music is a cappella. It is a cappella. Um, sometimes people will come to sacred harp events and be disappointed that people aren't sitting there playing harps. And we try to make it clear, but uh, the name can be misleading. 
um, some people don't understand. This is strictly vocal music. Now, I have heard instrumental arrangements of Sacred Harp. In fact, a dance troupe came to this area and danced arrangements of Sacred Harp huh. music. Huh. But that is extremely rare, and it's certainly not conventional. Um, the tradition is strictly a cappella. And I think it's fast. How come not so many people? Uh, how come it's not that popular? Or are there clusters of groups and isolated clubs? Actually, it's fairly popular in um, in certain areas. Right. And there are strong pockets of it in uh, Massachusetts. In, uh, wow, that's the north. That's right. Yeah. And uh, Minnesota has a good Sacred Harp community. Really? Chicago, Illinois. But it's mostly thought... It's associated with the South, very strong in Alabama and Georgia, mm. um, very strong in Texas. Tennessee has Sacred Harp. Um, in fact, a lot of states have Sacred Harp groups. And uh, um, Missouri, um, Ohio, they have strong Sacred Harp You know, if we keep presence. going, we'll just answer. And there are Sacred Harp conventions yeah. that people can go to. I sometimes go to conventions when I'm able. Uh -huh. And you get a lot of people from different areas. The last convention I went to, and it has been a while, uh -huh. um, was the Missouri Sacred Harp Convention in Pinckney, Missouri. That's not too terribly far from St. Louis, right. but it's right. in a very rural area. And uh, um, people converge upon St. John's United, um, United Church of Christ, and... Um, there are people from everywhere you can imagine. We had people from overseas, you know. Right. And so people, um, there's an annual convention in Fort Worth, um, you know, just all kinds of places. And there are retirees who just travel around singing to singing throughout the year. Right. And so you can sing a lot at the conventions, and then there are local singings that you can hook up with. Can you hear me? And uh, fortunately, Hello? there is a um, there's a singing in oh, my area. And later, I'll tell you the kind of amusing story about how I figured that out. Right. right. Can you hear me? Um, I didn't know they were here for a long time. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. I just had a little, I had a little problem there. Um, but but we heard what you said. Why don't we? As opposed to just keep talking about it, because people just imagining. Why don't you play a sample of this, and so, and then we'll talk about it a little more. People can hear what this is, because they just think it's a bunch of people doing a cappella, but it's not. No, it has um, it's it's its own unique thing. Yeah. And in a while, uh, I'll play a little sample. You won't be able to understand the lyrics. Okay. There's a reason for that, and I'll explain why it is. They're not singing words; they're singing syllables. Ooh. And then later, they will pick up the vocals. But in this example, I'm going to cut it off before it hits that point. Okay, go ahead. I'm just going to hear the syllables. This is a song called "Soar Away." Here we go. <laughs>
You know, that's very tribal. Yes, it is. And uh, I'll play another uh, song in a minute uh, called The Morning Trumpet that some people have said has almost non-Western types of harmony in it. Now, how many people was that singing? That, um, now, I was not on that particular recording. Mm -hmm. Um, I would estimate maybe 40. 40? So it's it's an entire chorus, then? Yes. Wow. uh, So, uh, and, and I'm not sure. Uh, exactly how many people were on that. Yeah, but the, but it's like more than like seven, eight, ten people. Oh, yeah. That's and, a giant uh, bunch of and people. And a lot of people notice... It's catchy. It's catchy, huh? Now, they were just, they were just singing... Now, what, what's with the syllables? Okay. What does that mean? Um, the syllables are... Um, let me explain about the shapes and then the syllables. The shapes. They go together. Oh, wow. The notes are shaped. Sacred harp is also called shape note singing. Shape note singing. That's right. Okay. And there are four shapes used in sacred harp notation. Each note has a distinctive shape that corresponds with a certain syllable. Okay. So, in other words, the note heads are printed in a certain geometric shape, and whenever you see that shape, you'll sing a certain syllable. So, like there's a triangle and you go, oh. It's me. Right? The triangle is me. 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 Yeah, that's right. Now, but what about keys, though? There's okay, no keys? Well, the, the key in sacred harp, okay, uh, the syllables in the C major scale in oh. sacred harp okay. is fa, so, la, fa, so, la, mi, fa. And fa, so, la, fa, so, la, mi, fa. Yeah, well, and so far, so good. So far, so, so. good, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, so it's, because okay. the first three notes are fa, so, and la, sacred harp is sometimes also referred to as fossil music. Fossil music. Uh-huh. And one of the main sacred harp websites, which uh, your listeners can go check out, is fossilaw.org. Oh, you got that, friend? There's something it's for your F- notebook. Fossola.org. F-A-S-O-L-A. E-T. Dot org. Fossola. <laughs> um, the four syllables are fa, so, la, me. And uh, pa is shaped somewhat like a flag, so is round, law is a square, me is a diamond. And in a sacred harp song, first we do what is called singing the shapes. Singing the shapes. Which means singing the syllables that correspond with the shapes Mm -hmm. of the notes. And then we sing the words. And uh, I might just take a moment here to uh, give you another example of people... Uh, singing the shapes. Yes, let's do that. Okay, this is called Marillo's Lesson. They hadn't quite got to the lyrics yet. If I had let that roll on a bit, then yes, they would have begun. Well, what, what happens when they get to the lyrics? Do they start, say, they start saying uh, words? Because lyrics are words, words right? Uh, when you're finished singing the shapes. Uh, so they finish the shapes. You'll, you'll yeah. sing the shape yeah. first, 
and then often there's a repeat. What was the name of that tune? Uh, that was Marillo's Lesson. So uh, so they go fa sol va fa sol va and then then it's Marillo's Lesson. And Marillo's Lesson is interesting. I'm opening up my sa- one of my Sacred Heart books here. Okay. Um, it's interesting because most Sacred Harp music is religious in nature so it's kind of like a, so it's very gospel like in sense i mean I, I mean are all these lyrics just a lot you know, of them are isaac watch lyrics isaac watch lyrics isaac watch is there anything like isaac well, watch is anything like timex i don't know what <laughs> isaac watch what uh, is watch, isaac watch W-A-T-T-S, okay and isaac oh, watch wrote a lot of church hymns um or i should say he wrote certainly the lyrics to and he's uh He's known for a somewhat dark lyrical content. Wait a second, it's religious. What dark? What, the devil will get you uh, unless we, God... T- uh, yeah? We joke around about it in Sacred Heart. Death, mm-hmm. hell, and worms. Um, <laughs> Death, are, hell, and they, worms. I love it. Well, well, someone write that down, please. 1600s, 1700s, 1800s. You can imagine what the mortality rate was. Mm. And uh, oh, some yeah. of the songs caution young people to not be too cocky because soon they'll be occupying a coffin. Mm. And... Um, Things like that, and uh, this is like fear. This is uh, fire and brimstone in a way, isn't it? It can be, and uh, Marillo's lesson is interesting because it's one of the sacred harp songs that is not as religious. It's patriotic. Oh, several American patriotic songs in the sacred harp, and another one of my favorites is called Mount Vernon, and it's. Is that about George Washington? It is about George Washington, oh, and it was composed hey. upon the uh, occasion of his death. And um, you can tell from the lyrics to that how incredibly um, perplexed and upset people were at the time of Washington's death. It's not something that a lot of people talk about, huh? When, when George well, Washington yeah. died, that there were people upset, right? I mean, oh, people were... It was um, nuts, you know, huh? It was almost in some way as if they expected that the man would somehow be immortal. Mm. He was such a hero. And I'll just find that. And yeah, find that. the lyrics. Here it is. Yeah, read the lyrics. Okay. It's a patriotic okay, uh, and, and kind of... Okay, this is sacred harp tune called Mount Vernon. And, uh, and it's very minor key. And I wish I had a sample of this because it's just good music, too. Okay. But here are the lyrics. What solemn sound the ear invades... What wraps the land in sorrow's shade? From heaven the awful mandate flies. The father of his country dies. Where shall our nation turn its eye? What help remains beneath the sky? Our friend, protector, strength, and trust lies low and moldering in the dust. Verse 2. That was it? That was, that was the entire thing. George Washington! <laughs> George! Yes. It's, not, it's, it's not exactly what they did in like that in the musical uh, 1776. They were, well, there, there are some jolly songs from the Revolution. But there's no jolly songs about George Washington dying, right? Uh, no, not, not, uh, the not on this side dead. of the Atlantic. Anyway. The father's dead. Watch out his head. <laughs> and that's a Is very it? minor key yeah, and solemn okay. kind of song. Yeah. And it's also just beautiful, like I said. Um, um, for another trip, I can read the uh, um, the lyrics to Marillo's lesson. Sure, go ahead. I won't read the whole thing, but and the first and that, verse here. And then play, play, and then play us another fossil. You got one more? 
Another what? Another Fasola? Uh, yeah, I can find one, sure. Okay, yeah, okay. so read those lyrics to Morello. Okay. What is this, Morello's? Morello's Lesson. It's M-U-R-I-L-L-O. Okay, Morello's Lesson. Here's the lyrics by and, uh, Shannon. Oddly Shannon. enough, it's uh, credited to a guy named Morelli. Um, but not Yeah, Morelli. I know him. He's about... <laughs> <laughs> sure, I know Morelli. <laughs> down the street. Yeah. Um, but, okay, um, as down a lone valley with cedars are spread, from war's dread confusion I pensively strayed. The gloom from the face of fair heaven retired. The winds hushed their murmurs. The thunders expired. Perfumes as of Eden flowed sweetly along. A voice as of angels enchantingly sung. A voice as of angels enchantingly sung, Columbia, Columbia, to glory arise, the queen of the world and the child of the skies. You know, um, when you look back, and I know because I, I, I've, I've gone to a lot of these old um, folk song sites, mm -hmm. you know, and you, and you read the lyrics and you hear the things that the, the, the simple songs that they used to do. And this is, this, I mean, all modern lyricism comes from uh, uh, and those great rhymes comes from all that stuff way back there. Well, certainly right? folk music uh, has its influence in Sacred Harp. Uh, now, we have, my group has recently started using a book. There's a very old book. It was brought back recently. It was re-edited and brought back into the public eye. It's called the Missouri Harmony. The Missouri Harmony. Mm -hmm. Is it Missouri, Missouri? Or you know if everybody says that differently. Is it Missouri? Yeah, um, How do they say it in Arkansas? Missouri? Uh, sometimes I say it, though. I think I say both, actually. And, <laughs> Not at the uh, same time, though. And uh, But you'll hear both. Okay. You know, and I live by the Missouri border. Okay, yeah, I'm a little, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember my geography just by I, the top of my head. I used to live in Tennessee, and I know I was surrounded by seven states. But I, and I went through Arkansas once, mm -hmm. but I don't remember where the hell, wait, you got Texas, you touch Texas, don't you? Uh, yes, we bordered Texas. You touch Texas and Oklahoma. you touch... I live very near the Oklahoma state line. The Oklahoma borderline. And near Oklahoma and Missouri, both a little farther to get to the Missouri line, but I live very near the Oklahoma Is line. that considered deep south? Um, to some, um, sometimes not. Some people draw a line at that. Um, and you certainly think of Georgia and Alabama as deep south. Sure. Other people do count it in. It is certainly considered part of the south. Every now and then you'll see people counting it as Midwest, and I'm not mm. sure how they arrived at that. It is, by tradition, a southern state. Arkansas seceded with the southern states. Um, other states that we border would include Tennessee. I told, I told you she knows geography. Listen to this. Now she's a teen. <laughs> First she's in, and you have no idea. This is like, you know, uh, she hasn't even uh, crossed over the bounds of abstraction. She's talking <laughs> about stuff. You teach this stuff in school, too. Ah, uh, um, we border Mississippi and Louisiana. Right back to it, see that? And, uh, May I leave the room? Miss, Mrs. Kane, Mrs. Kane, may <laughs> I leave the room? Can I have the key to the bathroom? <laughs> no, that's great. Now, the, the, now, so all these, now when you say your group, uh, uh -huh. now my group, that's where we got onto the Missouri thing. You said, now my group. Uh -huh. So how many people are in your Sacred Heart? Group. Well, it depends because um, the core group, I'd say there's probably about um, maybe 20 of us. Okay, so 20 of you get together and do you have, I mean, these guys are the sopranos, these guys are the basses, these guys, I mean, do you know, how do you do that? 
Okay, well, I can explain a little bit about... Um, yeah, but that being too technical, how do 20 people get together, even if you know the music and you know the style, who decides who's going to be the high part, the low part, the thing? Well, how do you do that? Well, um, I can explain the different parts. Also, uh, our group, sometimes it will have less... I have been to early meetings of our group. When I first started singing, there were times when we were lucky to have people covering all four parts. Mm. And I've been to where we've had a lot of people. We have a convention, too. And, uh, a convention, a sacred heart. We have a sacred heart. Where is that take place? In uh, Springdale. Well, it was. It used to be in Springdale at the Shiloh Museum of Ozark History. It has since moved uh, to St. John's Episcopal Church in Harrison, Arkansas. Okay. And, and, and anybody is invited? Can anybody go down absolutely. there? Absolutely. Um, one thing I should mention, sacred heart groups are always glad to have visitors. Admissions free. Just pop in, say, hey, I'm new to Sacred Harp. A lot of times, some groups don't do it, but a lot of groups will have loner books. And so if a visitor comes in, they'll give you a book to look on to, uh, that look on with. And sometimes they'll have you sit by an experienced singer, and you can sit and look along and see what they're doing. Um, now, if I go to a five... Uh, music stores or Fee or Fire or Fall, Fum or whatever they are, if I go to there and I go into any particular section, can I find CDs that have Sacred Heart music? Um, you might be able to. Certainly you could special order them. Um, or go to eBay. Can you go to eBay and put in Sacred Heart? Absolutely. I have gotten several um, wow. Sacred Heart uh, CDs off of eBay. Yes. And... Uh, Okay, all right. So then people can get... Now, let, let, who would be... If, if I was searching for one and I wanted to get one, uh, are there some, like, other groups? You know, the, 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 the Missouri Fallas uh, or the Do-Re-Mis of, of uh, you know, Alabama? To a beginner, I would recommend going with one of the easiest to find. Uh -huh. um, check out the Alan Lomax recordings. There were, um, I believe they're with Library of Congress. They're easily obtainable. Many public libraries. Lomax, L-O-M-A-X, just Alan Lomax? Is that A-L-A-N? Uh-huh. Okay, Lomax, L-O-M-A-X. L-O-M-A-X. And he went in the, I'm guessing, the 1950s probably, uh -huh. maybe the 40s, somewhere in there. He went and recorded Sacred Heart groups in the South. And those recordings have been preserved, and a lot of people came to know about Sacred Harp through those recordings, through the Lomax recordings. Um, one that I would recommend, uh, now let me double check and be sure that this is, um, I think this is one of the Alex, uh, or one of the Alan Lomax recordings. Oh, you can play one? Is that oh, what you could, uh, You've already heard one in oh, fact, okay. Shoreway was one. Um, check for a CD called Original Sacred Harp. Original Sacred Harp. Mm -hmm. okay. And that has quite a few. That has, I think, something like 28 different tracks on it. Mm -hmm. And it gives you'll, be, you, you'll be walking around humming these things in no time, I think. Oh, yeah. Hey, and I'll it's very you. catchy. Yeah. There's, um, I'm not sure if that's actually Alan Lomax or not, but I think it is. There's one called, um, there's a series called Southern Journey. Uh -huh. One is called Look For And Glory Shown Around. And glory shown around. That's mm -hmm. S H. And that's a line from shown. a song called Shareburn. I should explain that a lot of Sacred Harp tunes use what we call tune names. They're named for places. So sometimes they're named after streets. We have Federal Street, 
Duane Street, Wood Street. That's the name of the songs? Mm-hmm. And they're often named after towns. We have... Um, how does a federal... How does a, how does a street name turn into a religious song? I'm not entirely sure. Federal Street... Oh, Federal Street, where God God was making on Federal <laughs> Street. What? Well, they're just uh, like um, there are song, um, sometimes in our group we joke about um, we play geography and uh, we'll there are songs named after countries so we'll sing China, Russia, Africa, Poland and there's all these countries and so we'll just sing by country and we'll sing those songs. One of the few that actually sounds to me like the country it's named for is Russia. It's almost orthodox sounding, very dark, heavy. A nation once again. <laughs> Isn't that? It's not that, is it? No. Um, no. <laughs> um, I was trying to find uh, Federal Street. Is not Fair. one I sing often. I ha- I know right. I have some. That's okay. That. That's okay. You don't you don't 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 go cr- don't go crazy on that. But uh, but uh, well, I've got it here, and the first line it's very short. Okay, go ahead. My dear Redeemer and my Lord, I read my duty in Thy Word, but in Thy life the law appears, drawn out in living characters. And that's it. That's verse one. Wow. And uh, and yeah, one of my. Uh, there are people still composing Sacred Harp, and one of the active composers is in our group here, and he has a number of songs in the he has songs in the Missouri Harmony. And See, now you just said Missouri. Yeah. You just, okay. And uh, breaking out that breaking out that accent, there, dog. <laughs> hey, dog, you breaking out that accent, there, dog. <laughs> I love that accent. That accent is so it is so special. Um, I wish I talked like like that naturally. I just look like a stupid New York street man. <laughs> but I love I love but the I, way you say here. Here? How do I say here? Here. Here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I, <laughs> I don't say it with that wonderful breath that you have. I wish I had that breath. Oh yeah. Well, let me just take this short break here. We're talking to Shannon Kane. You're listening to Catola Chronicles, brought to you tonight as every week by the Shortstop.com. How tall are you? How tall am I? Yeah. Five foot three and a half. She fits. Five foot two to five foot nine. You can get your shortstop jeans. You can get your jeans uh, that are ready to ready to wear. Ready to wear jeans. Never shorten your pants again. No altering. The shortstop.com. Go there. And I'm in, I'm encouraging women. I don't care. You want to wear pants like men? Casual slacks. Do you wear pants that men wear, Sh- Shannon? What's that? Do you wear pants that are that men wear? Yes, I do. Okay, you see, I told you, women can wear shortstop jeans. And isn't it great to be able to get a pair of pants, any kind of pants, that you don't have to uh, bring out or take up or anything, right? Absolutely. I actually have a hard time finding pants that don't have to be altered. You heard it right here. One more testimonial. The shortstop.com is how you do it. You don't have to fix it. Just, you just send in how tall you are, how, how high you are, how much you weigh, and what you have for breakfast. And they give you just a, two, cut, two cuts, three colors, cotton twill slacks, jeans, anything you want. Visa, MasterCard, Discover, Discover your Visa, Discover your MasterCard, whatever you want to do. 1-800-USA-6230 nationwide. This is Catola, nationwide being uh, here on the United States of America. Shannon Kane is with me. Shannon and I go back to the old days of underground, uh, uh, underground, uh, I, I'm sorry, I just don't think it's the same. And so we're talking about sacred harp music as we go into the second hour. 
the Controller Chronicles of Y2K plus 7, August 16th. How, how hot is it down there tonight in Arkansas? Probably about 100 degrees. It's yeah. 100 degrees! It was earlier. It's probably, it may have dropped to, you know, it could be as low as 93 by oh, yeah. now. The sun, the sun went down in Arkansas, That's so it right. might be 93. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any, uh, uh, you know, I thought of you today, and I'll tell you why. And I, and I don't want, I don't want you to, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. But, uh, you know, the, I think you told me the other day or last week or something that there was a, there was a bear or a copperhead or something was, you had a big, uh, a monster in your house, right? Was that is it? true. It was a snake. A snake. So you live in Arkansas in a place where a snake can just come into the house and hang out, right? That is true. Okay. Well, here's why I thought of you today, because I don't live in, I mean, you know, coyotes can come down from the mountain, bears can come down from the mountain, and even coyotes who are bear can come down from the mountain. <laughs> but, but, today I walked into my bedroom, I looked into my closet, and there's a, uh, um, I guess it was a garden spider, although they all look, uh-huh. they all look nefarious, you know? Yes. Gigantic one, and he and he, he, he at no time he had made a home uh, at the uh, on the front of my closet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought of you because you live in an area where that kind of thing is probably pretty normal. I mean, you walk, <laughs> in, you know, you, you go into you, you're looking for your husband. You go into your bedroom, and there's a mountain lion there. <laughs> or maybe that is your husband, and you just. <laughs> I haven't had any mountain lions yet. No mountain lions. Thankfully. But anyway, that's okay. <laughs> but I, I, didn't I have want, seen bears, though. I didn't want you to think that, you know, I looked at a spider and I thought of you. It's not what I meant. Right. I, I get I, I, I take <laughs> you your <got> meaning. Um, <laughs> now, when, you, when we opened up the show, is there anything else you want to say about, I mean, you told everybody where to go with this uh, sacred harp singing, and, and everybody can go look around now. And, well, and, you can go to fossillaw.org, but there's another one. Go ahead. What? Um, loudhymns.com. Loudhymns.com. One of the things people often remark about in Sacred Harp is it's loud. It's really loud. Um, one convention I went to, my ears actually rang. Loud. Um, I wish somebody'd take a decibel meter in there, and uh, it can be very loud. And you sing out nice and loud. This is not wimpy, weak music. No. This is full force, and um, so. So and some people who are used to very delicate music find it unnerving. Mm. I've found that Sacred Harp is a love-hate kind of thing. People tend to get um, into it immediately and want to know more and learn about it, or they find it repellent. And mm. Mm. Um, my my husband doesn't like Sacred Harp, and uh, uh, he he describes it as sounding like a chorus of lawnmowers. <laughs> <laughs> and, I love that <laughs> chorus of lawnmowers. Yeah, well, and a, so it's not for everybody, and we understand. He's a poet that. too, friends. <laughs> it can only come from a poet. <laughs> chorus of lawnmowers. I love, it. I love that. There are, um, you know, I've had people who were classical musicians who just couldn't handle it. Also, we um, we sing in something called the key of convenience. And a lot of times before a sacred harp song, you'll hear people giving a pitch. It usually comes from what we call the front bench tenors. Uh-huh. And they'll throw out a pitch. It's never sung according to what's written in the book. It's the key, it's a key that's given out by one of the tenors. I love that. The key of convenience. What a beautiful phrase. The yes. key and, that down. Uh, the key so of... it's sung uh, in a way that the group can handle it. And... It's not keyed exactly to the book, and if the tenor pitches it too high or too low, you can always 
backtrack and make it go lower or higher. And that happens a lot. Uh, sometimes in our group, the basses will pitch. And when they do, um, if it's too high, you can just say, could we take it down a couple half step, uh, you know, a yeah. half step or, yeah. or, you know, whatever, and they'll lower it for you. And now, there's no such thing as as, uh, as sacred harp singing sing-alongs, are there? <laughs> well, <Are> there? <laughs> I mean, how can you sing along? Huh? If you're there, you're singing along, probably. Oh, okay. But um, one thing, you know, we never make want to make people uncomfortable and we do have people that refuse to sing they come in and they just want to listen for a while that's marvelous and they can look on with what we're doing they can sing or they cannot sing a lot of people are not comfortable with the fossil aspect of it by the way that's um in musical terminology it's called solfege called what solfege spell that i think it's s-o-l-f-e-g-e solfege or solfegia singing. Oh, okay. And uh, that's when, um, you know, the old uh, the old song from The Sound of Music, you know, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So, La, Ti, Do. Yeah, that's the one I was going to make a joke. Oh, really? Yeah, and... Uh, do, you mean Do, with do syllables or? Instead of, you know, when you have a syllable do. associated um, with a note. Um, but that's um, a seven-shape system, and we use a four-shape system. Me, and, a name I call myself. That's right. And, uh, the sacred harp singers sit in an arrangement called the hollow square. Mm-hmm. The chairs are in a square arrangement, and there's a hollow spot left out in the middle, and that's where the leader stands. And at singings, there's usually many different leaders. It's never just one person. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to a convention, you'll probably end up leading a song or two if you sign up to do so. You can sign up to do it. You can decline. Um, but uh, there are four different vocal parts. There's treble. We don't say soprano in sacred harp. Oh, you don't? So it's treble, alto, tenor, and bass. And the trebles sing a counter melody, and men and women both sing it. If you ever want to find the melody in any sacred harp tune, it's in the tenor line. The tenor, the tenor, okay. Mm -hmm. okay. And that's sung by both genders. The alto part is sung by women, and the bass is usually sung by men, but there are exceptions. And it's far more common, in my experience, to see a female bass than a male alto. Well, I guess if the bikers come along, you get <laughs> In my own sacred harp group, we have yeah. a female bass singer. Do you really? Yeah, and you'll you'll see that every now and then. You will not often well, well, see a male alto. No, because, uh, because well, just naturally, it has nothing to do with weight or size, but just naturally, men's voices are lower. Mm-hmm. But they do sing treble, but they sing it in their own well, language. Well, the women sing. When the women sing the bass, it's nothing but treble. Right, yeah, you trouble. probably will sing it in their own range. Some women just I have particularly low voices. I have a fairly low voice. I have sung bass in a pinch when um, basses didn't show up or whatever. I want to learn and to they talk needed just like somebody you. to do that. I have done that. Before. I've been trying to imitate you for years. I want to like just call my local uh, my local county, call my local sheriff. I'd love to just call my local sheriff mm-hmm. and, and do your voice. <laughs> Hi, this is Frank Atola. I live down Man in the Gap, and <laughs> I just want to I just want to say something to you. Fala sola, fala ya, fala sola. <laughs> um, well, you know me. I love sound. You love sound. You know you're into music and you play instruments. So what do you, what else do you play? Well, you play guitar. My voice. I play bass. That was um, bass guitar was one of my first loves. And I played a lot of rock and roll. And yeah, you were rock and roll and, and, and punk and experimental uh, probably way before there was that kind of stuff. Right? Well, certainly early on in punk I was around. And, and 
um, also... Um, See, Bella, it's so eclectic. We're, talk, we're talking about ancient American music here, and she's going, well, you know, early on in punk. Uh, <laughs> did you have different color hair? Did you have green, like, green hair or something? Oh, once. I, um, I shaved my head down to a military buzz and dyed it Windex blue. Windex blue. Listen, you see, you know, you know what I love about your poetry. You, uh, assim- you're assimilies. Ah. Isn't that what they're called? The assimilies, when as and like. Well, you, you know. Isn't that what they're called? Um, come on, well, give me you the can English. Simile and metaphor, both. Well, metaphor is metaphor, but and, simile. Yeah. Your assimilies are terrific. And Thank you. Windex blue. <laughs> Write this down quick, everyone. The next well, time. there was also a shade called bikini pink, and I think I experimented with that as well. But that that didn't last really long, and mostly, um, you know, mostly I have normal colored hair, but I have experimented right. with that. I, for years, played the tuba. I played tuba in <laughs> bands and orchestras. <laughs> oh, you you got to play tuba in bands and orchestras. You can't play a tuba. You can't do a tuba solo. I mean, you can't play it by yourself. Oh, or... actually, I have. And uh, oh, I've me. done full-on recitals. Well, along. pardon me, all over the place. You did a, you did a, you do. A, does are there are there tuba solos by? Uh, does Handel Handel's tuba f- well, fugue or something? Handel can certainly be arranged into tuba solos. Okay. I have right. played um, many famous composers' works as solos. Um, you have to play solo when you're trying out for auditions okay, right, and whatnot, true. and so you you do have to have things. I've played um, all manner. Of so tuba, music. string, wood, brass. What's that? So You've you played them all, string, wood, brass. Um, string only in the sense of guitars. Okay, well, that's a string. And, well, yeah, and, uh, um, but I am not a violinist. Uh, my father, before he passed on, built me a dulcimer, and it's one. Oh, of the you few, got a dulcimer! Yeah. It's one of the few instruments I have not been able to really negotiate very mm. well. I never, <laughs> I never could play the dulcimer that well, and so I had some trouble with that in learning it. And uh, but I've played all manner of instruments. I played flute mm-hmm. and um, um, wind. There's wind. Wind and uh, briefly played the bassoon. The bassoon. I've filled in on Barry Sachs in a jazz ensemble once, never again. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, so I've done, you know, certain things like that. Um, I had multiple college scholarships for playing the tuba. Wait a second. You had multiple college scholarships for playing the tuba? That's right. How did you ever master the tuba so well? Well, just practicing. Get a, I didn't know. Wait a second. Wait a second. Where, where can you get a tuber scholarship? Uh, in a lot of universities. <laughs> really? They need people to fill their marching band. People, you know, you guys out there, you people out there who have children uh, trying to get, uh, you know, mm-hmm. football, basketball, you were trying to get, forget about it. There must be a lot of open tuba scholarships out there. Well, it's right? not as open as you may think. You have to compete like oh. I'll get out. Oh, like the, oh but, come on. Like this what? There's yeah, tons of tuba uh, players out there? Well... Huh? Um, you, have, you have to, uh, um, yeah, well, you know, I, you have to, uh, it, it's very competitive, actually, and I know that wow. I was, a, when I was in school and trying out, they have all region and all state, and you try for these different bands, and you're not just competing against people in your area. Oh, of course not. All, uh, all across the state. Yeah, the tuba people all across the state, the mm-hmm. tuba sales, the tuba salesmen. Tuba well, if, salesmen. You, 
if you think about it... I should have been a tuba salesman. I had no idea you could make so much money selling... Almost all, um, almost all marching bands and even your drum and bugle corps um, use tubas. Yeah. That's got to be the toughest job in the world, right? Tuba and a band, a marching band. Tuba and a marching band. Uh, yeah, and... Um, yeah, and you know, of course, there are marching tubas, right. and you ha- you have a certain type you use for different drum. Kinds, right. you, there's a certain type you use for drum corps. There are also sousaphones, which is what you see in your standard marching band. Sometime I'll uh, I'll get soon to my obsession with drum corps. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, we'll have to, we we have to break up a lot of the time. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna be on again, and we'll have to talk about. We can't get we can't know possibly cover everything, especially yeah. with some with someone like you. You want to talk about. Uh, being a, uh, what do you want to talk about? You want to be talking about being a kook? What was it, a kook? Kook hunter. Uh, well, uh, I could do that. If you want, I do have a couple more sacred harp samples on deck if you want to get Sure, play a couple of those, and then, well, and then, then we'll find a couple of crazy, wacky things. To well, just to all right, well here's a, um, let me find this okay. real quick. But there's one that, uh, um, again, with the place names. This is called New Britain. And this is a song that almost everybody will recognize. Okay. It's Amazing Grace. Ah. But the tune name is New Britain. Now, was it, did they take, uh, this is a very neo-postmodern thing to do, did they take Amazing Grace and make it into the song? or did, No. Or was um, this the original song? This is um, certainly an older version. Okay. The way that it's arranged, okay. this is quite old. Let's hear it. And, okay, and I won't play, because uh, there are a lot of verses. So maybe I'll just play. Uh, sure them singing the shapes or something because this could get singing the shapes once again yes and this is new britain new britain Beautiful tune, even with fa sola. Now, they're just using fa sola there. That's right. Fa sola. Do they do it in quarter? I didn't really get catch all that. How do they? Fa sola la fa. Is that just doing it back over and over again, like a loop? Mm-hmm. Well, um, you okay. know, it is just the a, it, the actual song is written out with those shape notes, yeah. and as each section encounters their note, they'll sing their syllables. Oh. So you'll have fa against me. Or against law, so each section is singing a different syllable. Hey, play, play that. Do you got that MIDI? Do you got that MIDI thing? Uh, the Star Star Wars thing there? Or did you oh, put that uh, away? Star Trek. Yeah. yeah, Star Trek. I'm sorry. Star I mean, yeah. Uh, put that on again for a second. Oh, okay. can you do that? Can you just? Hit you want to hear the whole thing? No, I just I know. We'll tell you when. I just want to just let, let's just okay. let's, well, let's let try me, something. Let's uh, fast, can we fast so la along with that? Um, it with the right. Um, arranger, it could probably be arranged like that. Okay, um, did you want to play one more Sacred Harp? I think one time I heard somebody doing Happy Birthday in Sacred Harp. Fa sola, fa sola. Right. Is that it? Is that how you do it? Well, um, you'd have to find out what the actual note correspondence well, that was. Well, that was my key of convenience. And arrange it. That was my key. Uh, well, um, it's not Sacred Harp, but here's Star Trek. 
Let's you and I do a Sacred Harp Star Trek. Let's do it together. Fa sola, fa sola, fa sola, fa la. You want to do the, want to do the high part? Okay. Yeah. You do the high part, I'll do the low part. Okay. God, MIDI is so cheesy, isn't it? <laughs> That's a horn, right? Here again? What happened to it? Here we go. It's hard to do, isn't it? Do the high part. Am I doing it right? Come on, do it. Sing with me. Everybody, come on. Now, is that, just, is that just tomfoolery, or, or is that the way they would do it, I think? Well, uh, like I said, um, sacred harp <laughs> composition is actually fairly difficult, okay, and right. you have to have the actual... All right, I can't do it. Okay. The actual syllables, I of course, on the actual just, note. Okay, well, I did it. I did blah, blah, blah. Wasn't you that did one, Well, one thing we tell visitors, because they don't... Um, you know, a lot of times they're not familiar with the fossil law notation. Uh, is we'll tell them uh, it's okay if you sing la la la, and sometimes uh, our group sometimes we joke we have a joking syllable. It's not a real one, but we say just sing flaw because it's a combination of fa and law, and if you sing flaw, a lot of times it just kind of fits right in. You know, there was there was such a thing. What about retarded sacred harp singing? I think the old days, I mean, well, you know, remember, remember Land of a Thousand Dances? Yeah. Well, wasn't that just a retarded version? Na, 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 na. They couldn't even find another syllable. Well, the, the church I mean, just kept doing na. It was a. No, 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 no. I'll say it's a primitive form of sacred harp. Okay, I'm and, sorry. Uh, sorry, I used the word retarded. Primitive. <laughs> is good. Primitive, primitive is good. That's okay. And, uh, no, or no. a naive form, maybe. Naive, and, I love uh, that. <laughs> um, Are you going to read a poem for us? Because you're a oh, great reader and oh. you do poetry slams. I was telling everyone about poetry slams. When did they start? They started. They're relatively new in the world of uh, poetry, aren't they? Well, the I became. I. I always kind of read as if I were at a slam, <laughs> but but right. no. The I, I have my opinions on slam poetry, and I can go into that. But uh, I don't really like it all that much. Okay. But I've won several, and I became aware of them in the nineties, and uh, I'd say somewhere in the early to mid nineties. Now, why is it called a poetry slam? You have to get up there, and you have to. You really have to yell. Well, it's competitive poetry, which is an idea I'm not necessarily all yeah. for. Well, not although just, I've won not some, although I've won some groovy prizes. But wait a second, it's not just competitive; it's it's perf- it's how you perform it, not necessarily yes. the poetry itself, right? It's, yeah, okay. um, because you're you know it's more of a show, and I think a lot of times people lose the sense of the words that are being said. And I have slam pieces, but when I want to wind down and really get into somebody's head and say something intimate or meaningful, a lot of times uh, you can't carry that into a slam. People just stare at you. You know, you're not leaping up and down like a fool and, you know, recite. Um, You know, another thing is that, um, you know, I've seen people score high points for reciting rhyming doggerel. Now, I I don't want to paint you into a corner here, but Mm -hmm. could you... 
give anybody who doesn't know and listening right now uh, maybe three or four lines or, or something and do it in slam style? I might be able to, but what I'm going to have to do to read anything is, is step a few yards away and You step a few yards and I'll tell people to buy pants. Go get your Tell stuff. people to buy pants. I'll be right back. Okay, she'll be right back. Shannon Kane is with us. K-A-N-E is not how you spell it. C-A-I-N-E. And you don't get more eclectic than Shannon Kane. See, Shannon Kane, you wouldn't find on any other program. This is Catola Chronicles. My name is Frank Catola. I'm the man who chronicles, and I'm the man who's here with you. You sunburned sickleman, brought to you by the shortstop.com, in part. So go to shortstop.com uh, and get yourself jeans. And, I'm, and I'm, an, I'm, I'm emphasizing that I want you women to go there. I don't care what they say. Buy them. Because it, 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 it can't. Hey, Shannon's back. I am back. Shannon's back. Um, but I don't know if I... What? If I have an actual slam piece, I'll have to look around for that. Okay, well, I mean, just do something in a style or make it up or... or, or uh, well, oh, it, it, it's being quite loud. And I I can't really, in a way, do it... Okay, let's uh, get off this... Let's, without standing in okay. front of a mic you're right, and an you're right, audience. Yeah. But let's, let, me, let me look for a second and see uh, if I have a slam okay, piece. Okay, but if you don't have a slam piece, then just grace us... Well, with uh, because you're a great reader, grace us with one of your uh, with one of your pieces. And there's only you only have a billion to choose from, <laughs> so grace us with one. You've read a couple to me that you know we can use. Yeah? Okay. Um. Well. Uh. Now, lately, I've been in a more quiet mood, I think, and so writing things that are more, um, more truly poetic, I think, than Then, um, what? Well, then the things that I scream into a mic at a slam. And I started getting really, you know, I wasn't thrilled about the idea of poetry as competition to begin with, although I do it well. But um, I, um, I wanted to tone it down a bit be quieter, be more intimate, and that doesn't play at a slam, but it can play at the right kind of reading. Well, here's, well, here's the hero play right here, because on broadcasting, you could you can enunciate and do it exactly the way you do it right here. Do um, you, want, you want to do one? Well, you have one? I'm still, uh, Are you still looking? I'm kind of looking, um, but I should find something here in just a second. She's and, listen, uh, listen to it. She's, listen, listen. she's, she's leaping through <laughs> her papers right now. Listen. She's only got a million. Okay, well, here's a poem, uh, and I wrote this in a cemetery, and it's called It Is Love. Wandering among a row of tombs in Kansas, I heard the regal voice of pure true love. It spoke in chattering fragments out of the cold and lies in century-old inscriptions carved into the stone like bad news from the chisel of God. I peered into the crypts where the bodies of dead immigrants and the rich who looked down on them decay together in perfect harmony. I cannot see the dead, but I can hear their sighing. Alas, we are the numb wild dreamers, devoid of skin. We shall speak to you in hot black visions of the great communion of love transcendent and divine. Here is a son buried between his parents, stacked one upon the other in a small family mausoleum. Mama holds in her her lap of rotted bone, 
Daddy's stone hands are stilled forever, and over there is what used to be a beautiful young woman, a dead slapper with a gray marble smile, and over there are a couple of Catholics nobody's heard from since the turn of the century. I'm stricken with their sense of love, their bright, fiery yearnings, or wave upon wave of crashing regret. Not all the dead are content. Some of them would come screaming up from the stone. Their wills still seem so strong. They could claw their way out of the crypts with the abbreviated fragments of their yellow bony fingers to have just one more hour to behold a loved one, to say their goodbyes, to be understood or to settle the score, to seek the tattered lost dreams in the necropolis. The wind blows, and I could swear that I hear something talking between the stones. I think it is love. I could just hear, you know, you gotta, you gotta leave those couple of beats after that, you know. What's that? No, yeah, I said I had to leave those couple of beats after you said it. Ah. Just, you know, that was beautiful. That was great. <laughs> she's, a, she's a great poet, and if you know anything, you know, a lot of people say, a lot of people say, I don't like poetry because I just, I don't understand it. As if, as if a, a poet sits down and, uh, you know, uh, d- finds a way to disguise everything they're saying, when in fact. Uh, good poetry, which a uh, great poetry, most great poetry, uh, even if it doesn't rhyme, because that was the, is, is really very simple. It's really telling you exactly what's going on, isn't it? Well, I think, and and certainly now I have had um, a lot of experience with surrealist poetry, and I do that. But sometimes I like to do what I call, I just do a snapshot poem. I take a picture of a place where I'm at, and uh, here's a tiny, tiny one yeah. that I wrote in Tulsa. And it's called Tulsa Poem. A wicked wet twilight flashes across shimmering neon highways. Bruce storm clouds with rain deliver torrents of fresh awakening life. I dance in the driving wind in the ecstasy of singing rain. While lightning strokes the sky like a cowboy's swift fiery lariat roping a westward wind. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. And so it's just a snapshot. I, I have... Yeah. Several of those, uh, and, it, I, and there's and there's just this field, there's atmosphere, there's emotion, and how you accept that is how you. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to find people who would who would more appreciate poetry. People are intimidated by poetry. Oh, they they shouldn't be. I it's know. Really fairly accessible. Sure. And, and uh, here's a little snapshot poem that I wrote um, at an abandoned warehouse in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it about the warehouse and about somebody I was with at that moment. And it's called Blackbird. Leaning against the brick wall of the warehouse, your breath spirals in lacy white frost. Beneath the wildly flickering street lamp, you spread your arms in a haphazard conversational gesture and suddenly look like some great magnificent bird, the bird that will someday peck the sun out of the sky, tear stars from the heavens with its perfect golden beak, shred comets from the ebony night, and return them to God's hand unharmed. The street lamp keeps flickering, and the earth keeps spinning, and you keep right on being brilliant by accident. But that last line sounds like me. (laughs) (laughs) If you you were to name three poets in your life who uh, have uh, had a marked influence on you, who would they be? Ginsburg would certainly be one. Okay. Because uh, when when I was in school, we were taught that all poetry had to rhyme. Right. And I read stuff that made no sense to me. And I found it dull and uninspiring. 
and I didn't understand what the poet was going on about. And I encountered Ginsburg when I was a teenager, and I realized that poetry can be about here and now, mm-hmm. and it can be very modern. It doesn't have to rhyme, and um, and that. You know, and I could have probably encountered just about anybody, but my first encounter with true with, with modern poetry happened to be Allen Ginsberg, and I was um, I don't like every single thing that dribbled out of Ginsberg's pen, but, but the whole Beats movement. Uh, the whole, uh, was yeah, it, uh, I was very influenced by the Beats, sure. certainly. Um, in prose, I certainly uh, um, must say I was inspired by Kerouac and. Uh, and so, uh, you know, one, I found out you could be modern. Um, Ginsburg was writing about his sexuality. And these are things that I was raised to believe weren't fit subjects for poetry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't write naughty things. Oh, no, poetry must be very precise. And right. Nonsense. And uh, another poet who seriously influenced me was uh, Tristan Zara. Now, not many people... I'm going to write this one down because you. I know that uh, not many people know... Now, Zara is T-Z-A-R-A. That's right. Tristan, T-R-I-S-T-A-N. Yes, you would be. You would be. And I know him because I, rem- I, I that, that whole group there um, certainly had an influence on me. Tell, tell, tell me about it. Why did, what did Tristan, Zara... What did he bring to your table? Um... Well, just an abstraction and an absolute beauty of language and a fierceness of language. People know Zara for his work with the Dadaist movement. I am very strongly influenced by Dadaism. Yes, you are. I I know that, and I'd been, and still am. You know, a lot of my, and it's a funny thing, is that I I was a comedy writer for many years, and a lot of my comedy comes from from. That you know, people say, "What is your influence?" And of course, you get the regular, you know, obviously. I grew, but Dadaism taught me a lot about humor. Oh, absolutely! It's very humorous. It was also had its moments of being fiercely serious. Right. And uh, but people know Zara for um, using, you know, phrases. I I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember the exact quote, okay. but I think he said that. Um, all art is candied diarrhea, and, uh, and <laughs> well, and who could have put it better? <laughs> and I think that uh, you know, and he would shock people with phrases like that. But uh, what a lot of people miss is that he had um, an amazingly gorgeous sense of language. Mm. And um, another uh, another writer, I just I have to give props to, and I may not even be pronouncing his name correctly. Nobody ever told me how okay. to pronounce it. Paul Elvard. And he was a surrealist poet, along with André Breton. Oh, now, Breton, yeah. André and, uh, Breton. And I was highly influenced by Paul Elvard. And, um, again, gorgeous, sensual use of language, the vividness of words and imagery. Um, I was just so drawn into that. And I was getting into surrealist art and literature around the same time. And, um, in fact, um, you know, I certainly remember um, 
reading, I had a book of French surrealist poetry. I would read it in the original, and then I would read it in translation. Mm-hmm. And there were excellent translations, too. And I would just be mesmerized by this. And on my walls were pictures of surrealist art. And I was um, just so heavily influenced by well, that it. That was a big part of the, of the uh, underground uh, uh, literature uh, movement. The, uh, the, the, I mean, the whole that whole abstract Dada surrealism thing was uh, was very popular. Yes, as, and as uh, a motif, wasn't it? it yes, was. I, I would say so. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I, um, you know, I read a lot of it. I published a lot of it, and um, there were um, one author. She's normally known as a prose author, but one of the people I think is just tremendously poetic in her approach to prose is Anais Nin. And, uh, but as far as... Now, is it Anais or Anais? Is it Anais? I believe it's Anais. I think you're right. But yes, we all say, everybody says Anais Nin, Mm -hmm. don't they? Uh, A lot of people do. I've heard... Anais. um, um, Anais. I have known people with the name, some say Anais and others uh, say it a different way. And, of course, she is uh, connected to uh, Henry Miller for many years, and he'd, yes. he'd be the great American uh, a tra- a, um, knight of this genre. Boy, we're starting to sound... Now, this, and now look at this. All this is coming from somebody who opened up her appearance this evening with a mini version of Star Trek here. <laughs> You gonna play any wacky other wacky stuff? Let, oh, let's get out of the doldrums. Play some I wacky crazy stuff. Um, let's get rid I of know it. I have. Uh, um, you got all these crazy. Oh, oh boy. Okay, here yeah, we go. All right, let's uh, let's uh, well uh, stop. Uh, I don't know how much longer we talked in those days. Good old uh, Shannon. I will. Uh, if I find out anything, what happened to my? Oh, there you go. <laughs> my volume. If I find out anything. Uh, anywhere you can uh, link to. I don't know where uh, I'm going. I'm going to find out more about Shannon Kane, who was originally Shannon Frock, F-R-A-C-H Frosh. Uh, so I uh, probably could look her up, uh, Google her, and uh, both of those of uh, names. So <laughs> we're running, running out of time, uh, but uh, it was worth every uh, second of it. And as you can uh, recognize, I'm sure by now, as a strange person with <laughs> with talking to a strange person. And uh, next week, uh, hopefully, everything will be okay, and uh, we'll get uh, Tom Savino here. I know. I just keep going with this motif, this thing, this thing. My name is Frank Cotolo, man is name, and joins the title of the show, and this is uh, Cotolo Chronicles, and uh, we're cooking along, and, uh, where's the big ending? Let's do the big ending here, and click into our ending, okay? Wow, that's, that's, I don't know, man. From uh, SRN uh, Media Works and anywhere else uh, that we juicetalk.com. Find us. Get going. This is louder. The other books. The other books you can get where uh, uh, 
blurb.com and uh, Amazon. How can I forget Amazon? Frank Catola, look up for them, get them, buy them in digital form, bring them home. Remember, holidays are coming up. I get some of those um, gifts and books. If it's not mine, get others because, you know, it's books. It's all stuff people should be reading. My name is Frank. Hey, Frank, here's another idea. Oh, 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 where'd you come from? I've been walking next to you the entire time. Finally, he went back, and I walked by the table, and I said, How are you, Don? Nice to see you. He said, Can't you see I'm eating, Frank? What are you doing? <laughs> Frank, what the hell are you doing? Hello, hello, hello. I'm Frank, remember? The results say that you, Frank, are absolutely not my father, but my father is a close relative, most likely one of your brothers. Dad has brothers? Hey, you know, I think I met the one that sells smoked sausage and razor blades out of the trunk of his car. And there might have been one just like that. I'm the man whose name adorns the title of the show, Catolo Chronicles, and uh, there's more coming as long as we stay fit and uh, alert. And uh, Now, I've, yeah, I better get off the air because my mind has just flown away. I want to say good night to everyone, good afternoon, good morning, whenever you're listening, because we're on all sorts of times across the globe. Good night, Mrs. Ernstweil, wherever you may be located. Welcome home, Catherine. Uh, we've talked a lot. Now it's time to sit back and think about it. Right? Right. Besides, I have nothing more to say.